Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Glad we serve a God who is not just a God, but He's a great God. He's a wonderful God. He is a powerful and merciful God. And I want Him to know I love Him this morning. Amen. Amen. Good singing. Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter number 2. I mentioned, I think on Wednesday night, that uh, the Lord had laid a, a series of messages on my heart uh, for, this, for this season, this Christmas time. Now, I don't believe that, uh, that you have to preach Christmas around Christmas time, uh, but I will say this, there's a whole lot to preach. Amen. There's a whole lot. I, I saw someone the other day saying something on on some social media platform about just because it's Christmas doesn't mean you've got to preach on Christmas. You can preach the whole Bible. And I say amen. 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 If on Christmas morning the Lord gave me a message that had nothing to do with Christmas and that's what I knew He wanted me to preach, I would preach that. Uh, But in praying and considering this time, the Lord did lay a specific verse on my heart just in reading that I'm hoping will be a help and a blessing to you as it has been to me. And We're going to look at that one verse over these next a few weeks. Now, I will ask you if you think of it to pray for Brooke and I, uh, more especially for her, uh, as uh, hopefully tomorrow we'll know for sure exactly when we're going to be having this baby. Uh, I think it's very likely that they're going to move it up to this coming Friday. Uh, So they may not, and if they don't, it'll be next Friday, which is our original scheduled date for the C-section. But just pray that the Lord's will be done, that the baby is healthy, that Brooke is healthy, and we'll just go from there. But... uh, one, whichever Sunday, whichever weekend is we have the baby, we'll be in the hospital that Sunday morning. So uh, the next two Sundays I'm here, I'm going to preach the other two thoughts from this verse. But let's look at Luke chapter 2 and read some verses here. We're going to start in verse number 1. Uh, very familiar passage, obviously. It is read. Uh, a lot of people will read it Christmas Day when they have a Christmas meal with their family. They'll stand and read these first few verses and, and some of these verses down through here. We're going to read some of it today and look at uh, a thought that I believe the Lord's laid on my heart here. Verse number one, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in this passage, we have read, of course, so succinctly stated there in those last couple of verses, how that her days were accomplished. That means she, she came to full term. It was time. And she gave birth there to her firstborn son. A virgin uh, gave that miraculous birth, right? And each year as we approach that date of December 25th, and I'll just give you a quick addendum here. I realize that the Lord Jesus was probably not born on December 25th, but I also realize that that doesn't matter. Because nobody knows the exact date. So therefore, we'll pick one and we will honor him on that day because we're not honoring a date, we're honoring an event. And that event was the birth of the the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. Uh, But as is our custom, as we approach that day of December 25th, we take time to consider the arrival of our Lord Jesus on this earth some 2,000-ish plus years ago. And the truth is, at that time, the world was in a very dark place. If you go and you read just the history of, of the, the Jewish people, the history of Israel uh, from the time of the prophets in the Old Testament up to the birth of Christ, some bad things went on. Uh, there was the, the, uh, the, um, 
the, the word just left me, but they, the defilement of the temple and all those things. And, and God's people were in a bad place. I mean, a lot of bad things had happened. And the truth is, there was, no, there was no great presence of God even in Israel. God was still doing things and such, but there was no prophet like, like there had been in the days before during the time that Jesus was born. There, you know, there, it's just kind of a dry time. It's a, a, a dead time for, for the history of Israel at the moment when suddenly life is given to the earth. And in this case, it's given to the earth in a way like it has never been given before. Never before had an event like this happen. In fact, I would say at this time, that was the most important event that had ever occurred on earth, was the incarnation of the Son of God into the flesh of a baby boy. I mean, it was the most important event. Brother Joe this morning mentioning that word Advent and how that it is a looking for, the waiting for the arrival of something. They were all waiting from Genesis to the, to the time of the Gospels for this boy to be born. Amen. Women were, who could not bear children did everything they could. They wanted to bear a son. And do you know why bearing a son was so important to them? Because they wondered if they might be the one that God would choose to send His Messiah through. Amen. That was a big part of Jewish culture. And, and that's what they all look for. This, this child to come, they're waiting for this coming king is what they're looking for. It's what they're waiting for. And that night, they're in that place where Israel, God's people, is under the thumb of a wicked pagan empire in the Roman Empire. There is a young virgin woman who gives birth to the miraculous child of God himself. Never had there been and nor will there ever be again born a child with more weight of responsibility. Never a child with more weight of prophecy, with more importance, with more eyes on him. And, and the truth is, in that day, there weren't a lot of actual eyes there viewing him there in that manger. And he was not born to any pomp and circumstance. He was literally born in essentially a feeding trough. But here he is, the child that all the earth has been holding their breath waiting for, for thousands of years. This boy is born. The moment of Jesus' birth, like I said, was at that time the most important event to ever occur in the scope of all history. And yet, while some traveled far to see him at his birth, some sought to destroy him, amen, like Herod, who sent out a decree that all the children uh, there in Bethlehem would be murdered two years old and younger. There are some who sought to destroy him, some who wanted to see him, and some who, who just completely ignored him. They, they came, some, uh, they came to see the, the ones who did come, the, the wise men we read about there, how they had come from the far east asking, where's the child going to be born? And they find out he's going to be in Bethlehem, and they go looking for him. They come looking for the coming king. They give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are gifts signaling royalty. I mean, very valuable gifts in that time. I mean, you know, gold, yeah. But even frankincense and myrrh, they were rare and precious. There's a lot we can look at in those things. But these, these men, they traveled uh, with words of prophecy in search of this child. And Herod was trying to kill him without knowing where he was and without being able to find him. And it was all in, in this vain attempt to try and prevent his coming because they all expected this king was coming. The reason Herod sent them out to kill all the children, two-year-old and younger, is not because he wanted to stop the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It's because he thought that Jesus was going to become the king and take his kingdom from him. Amen. That's what they thought. They thought he was going to be the king of the world when he arrived. He would come and set up his kingdom because prophecy said that he will. Right? But at this moment and this time, which they saw as the coming of the great king who would establish His physical kingdom here on this earth, which, by the way, He will do one day. Amen. Instead, God chose not to send a soldier who they wanted to march and destroy their enemies, a judge who would sit on a throne and point His finger and declare who would live and who would die, or a reformer who would wipe away the kingdom of the empire of Rome and put Israel back where they once were on top of the world like in the days of David and Solomon. God didn't send him to be those things. He sent a Savior. In the story of Jesus' birth, we don't, I don't really see myself in the wise men. I'm not, I'm not that wise a man. 
I don't see myself in them. I don't, I don't have frankincense, gold, and myrrh. I'm not coming from some great kingdom. I, I, I don't see myself in the place of Herod. I'm not a king. But I do see myself in the place of one group of men in this passage here in Luke chapter 2 more than any other, and that would be verse number 8, that there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. These shepherds are just plain old guys. They're just hanging out in the field, making sure nothing kills their sheep at nighttime. Amen. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're not important. Right? I mean, their self-importance is none. They're just shepherds, not really looking for anything, not really looking for God, definitely not looking for the arrival of the, the Son of God. And here they are out in the field watching their sheep. And lo, the angel of the Lord, verse number 9, came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I bet they were. You ever been out in the dark? You ever been out in the dark? And You know what would happen if I was out in the dark and suddenly a bright light shone about me? I'd probably think aliens. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is it. I'm a goner. There, here they are out in the middle of the field, and suddenly a bright light said so the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I bet they were. I don't think they were scholars. I don't think they were reading the writings of Daniel like those wise men, I believe, were, and, and those things. They were just out watching the sheep, probably thinking about who's going to take the first watch and who's going to take a nap. I don't know what they're doing. And then suddenly an angel comes, and lo, this bright light, this glory shines about them, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And in that moment, in that moment of those words, all people, suddenly, the shepherds became relevant. All across the world, there's things going on. There's wise men traveling from the east. There are people, no doubt, studying the scriptures like they're inherited. And when they come to him, and they, they get their, their scholars, and they say, well, what, where is he supposed to be born? And, and all these things are going on. People are thinking about the birth of Jesus. And these men are just out in the, out in the wild, out, in the, out in, the, in the fields, just doing their jobs, just living their lives. And suddenly, a voice comes from heaven and says, hey, I've got some good tidings of great joy. You know what that is? The gospel. I've got some good news for you. And he said this, and this good news shall be to all people. It's not just good for the Jew. It's not just good for the Gentile. It's not just good for the man or the woman or good for the king or the pauper, but for all people, I've got some good news for you. And what is that good news? That good news is this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And there's his message to these shepherds. You're going to find a boy, a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and that will be the sign that you have found who? The Savior. Not the king, not the soldier, not the judge, the Savior. And then all of a sudden, all the angels of God get to Cain help it. Look at it, what's it say? Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I mean, these shepherds have just had a show from heaven. One minute, watching the sheep, probably doesn't smell great out there. They're probably tired. They're thinking... Man, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was cold at that time, or I, I don't know exactly what was going on in that climate, but I know this, nobody wants to be up all night watching sheep. But they were. And then all of a sudden, appears an angel, a messenger from God, and then a whole host of angels. And they begin to praise God before them, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which is to come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. I bet they did. You don't go back to work after that. Oh, well, you know, time to get back to it. No, you take a trip. You, I, I want to see this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. They're saying it's the Savior of all the world. I, I want to see it. So they go. They came with haste, it said. I mean, they hurried. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. By the way... If someone had just maybe come into Bethlehem looking for them, it might be that it was hard to find them. They were not where you would expect them to be. But they had word from God. 
And that word from God said you're not going to find him in a hotel. You're not going to find him in the inn. You're not going to find him at a friend's house. You're going to find him in a, where there is a manger. So they're looking in the barns. They're looking in the, where the feeding troughs are, where the animals are, and they find him. They saw the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your miraculous birth. We thank you, Lord, for Christmas time. We thank you, Lord, for what it means to us. We thank you, God, that you were, you were good enough to come to the earth for us. I pray this morning, fill me with your spirit. Help me to deliver this message truthfully and powerfully. Speak to our hearts and shine in our minds this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The angels delivered a message so true to these shepherds, they had to go and see him for themselves. And when they did, they laid eyes on the greatest gift that has ever been given. It wasn't gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was a baby lying in a manger in swaddling clothes. This little, innocent baby. The greatest gift that the world has ever received. That the angel said would be to all people. And here is this boy. And as that angel standing before them declared, I come bringing you some great news. Good tidings of great joy. There's going to be born today in Bethlehem a child, a boy, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and he is going to be your Savior. As he said those words, as that angel made that declaration, suddenly the host of heaven cried out this declaration. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace... Goodwill toward men. This morning I want to start with this thought concerning the three-part gift of Christmas. As those angels declared these things in this verse, we can see inside this one statement from the host of heaven just what the gift of Jesus would bring to the world. He was going to bring glory to God. I say amen. He was going to bring Peace on earth. I say amen. And he was going to bring goodwill toward men. This is not what Israel thought he would bring. They thought he would bring an iron rod and a strong hand and a throne set up. And by the way, one day he will. But this moment was not that time. This moment was a time of glory, peace, and goodwill. These are often the things we consider and Christmas, especially peace and goodwill. We consider it, right? How that this should be peace on earth, peace on earth, peace on earth. We consider that goodwill, how that we should give to those in need and be a help. Brother, Brother Joe talking about Brother Edu and, and some others, and, and I got a call just this morning from a lady needing some help, and, and there's just people who are, who are in need right now. And you want to you be a blessing, you want to give a gift, and, and that goodwill, amen. But what about that first one? What about glory to God? So Brother Dennis was praying about this morning. That's what Brother Tim was talking about in his Sunday school class this morning. And that's what Brother Joe was talking about in his introduction about the Advent, that we are looking to Him. And when we do, just as we sang a little bit ago, we ought to say these words, Thou art worthy. He's worthy to be praised, to receive all glory and honor and power. He is worthy to be praised. And Jesus Christ is the glory of God in the highest. He is the perfect picture of the glory of God. Now let me move quickly through this. That was the first declaration of that heavenly host. And this morning we're going to look at that part one of the three-part gift is the gift of glory. That first declaration, that glory to God in the highest. It is, it is, uh, there, there's probably never been a more fitting moment to offer the praise of glory to our God than in that moment. I mean, the angels were witnessing something that had never happened before. And here they are, they're telling these shepherds about what's going on, and suddenly they said, they, it said they begin to praise God. That's what it said. And they said, glory to God in the highest. First, uh, that word glory, we look at it, that word, it, it means honor, praise, and, 
and worship. It is to be given, granted, or to be exhibited. In this case, God does all three. He exhibits glory and He gives glory. He is, he is glory. It is, a, it is an essential part of who He is. In fact, it, it said there that when those angels appeared and that light began to shine out around them in verse number 9, it said the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Where'd that glory come from? It came from God through the angels that God, He is exhibiting glory and He is giving glory. And, and before those shepherds, the angels declared that God is worthy of all glory. And I say, amen. amen. This word glory, another word for it you'll find in the Bible sometime is majesty, meaning greatness of appearance, of grandeur, dignity of, of aspect or manner. And I'll say this, that it is that essence or nature of God that inspires awe or reverence in the beholder. And that's what happened to those shepherds. When that light shone about them, it wasn't just a flashlight. No, it was the light of God's glory. And what happened to them when they saw that light of God's glory shine down on them? They were sore afraid. You know why? Because the glory of God will cause us to be in awe, in reverence. I want you to see first the magnificent glory of Jesus Christ. That word glory here comes from the Greek word doxa. And that word doxa is the root word from which we get our word doxology. Y'all heard that word before, I'm sure. And that song, the doxology. And that, that word doxology, is a, it's a hymn that shines a light on the glory of God. And that word doxa, that glory, it is something to be praised, something to be uplifted, something to be focused on because the magnificent glory of Jesus Christ is magnificent in its radiance. You look up that word, that word uh, <clears throat> glory, you look up that word doxa, and you can look in the Thayer's dictionary of that Greek word, and he'll describe it as it, say, as it meaning splendor and brightness as of the moon and the sun and the stars, that it is a bright and radiant thing. And we see that actually playing out in this story. When that light shines down around them, that light is called the glory of God. It is a radiant glowing. And in Jesus, there is a radiance that is unlike in anyone else to the point that just being around Him caused people to react in extreme ways. Amen. You ever been driving down the road? <clears throat> Somebody get behind you in a big old truck. And they have tricked that thing out. And they have installed, installed some special headlights that are created for only one purpose, to burn out your retinas when they're behind you or meeting you on the highway. Amen. So, no, it's to let them see better. Yeah, sure it is. No, it's because they want you to know this is a nice truck, right? And they get behind you and you're going down 65 and, you know, you're, you're already speeding and you're in the fast lane, you're trying to pass somebody and they get right up on you and those lights, it's like a spotlight. Amen. Right in your eyes. And it, it is beginning to cause an extreme reaction in you. Right? I'm about to lose my mind if this light doesn't get out of my eyes. The radiance of such a bright light, it will cause you to react. You cannot ignore it. Amen. This kind of light, this kind of brightness, you can't ignore it. It causes something in us. And to some, the radiance of Christ's glory it caused them to react negatively. They did not want him in their sight. They did not want to hear what he had to say. Amen. Y'all hear what I'm saying? They wanted to get him away from them. But for others, they wanted to bow down to it. Amen. That glory of God, that radiance, when they saw it, they were like, wow. It's like when the Pharisees sent them to go and capture him and they come back and they said, where's Jesus? Never a man spake like this man. They were in awe. Because His glory was so much that He could not get around people without affecting them. You know what the Bible says about Jesus in the book of Hebrews chapter 1? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. That's what we were just singing about a minute ago, right? Verse 3 says this, who being the brightness of his glory. The brightness of His glory. Jesus is the brightness, the radiance 
of God's glory. This time of year, you can look around in here right now, and there's little crystally lights all over the place. We'll go down the road, and if it's dark outside, my daughter has eagle-eye vision looking for Christmas lights. There's one house we'll drive by pretty, pretty regularly when we're down by the house, and where we're going, Brooke will say, that house is coming up, and man, they just go all out, and everybody will put out their lights and all those things. And, and, and you know, I, I don't really know how that got started, but I do know this, Jesus is light. And Christmas is all about Jesus. And He is the brightness of the glory of God. And so when we see something beautiful, we ought to think about the magnificent glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's magnificent. It's awe-inspiring. It, it should cause us to, to reverence Him. It should bring a smile to our face that He is the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person. Verse 4 said this, being made so much better than the angels. And I say, amen, that the angels in heaven were so, so in awe of the glory of the Son of God that when He was born, they lost control. They're in the sky. And they begin to glorify God and say, glory to God in the highest. Why? Because Jesus is here. Amen. Amen. Because the Son of God has come. And now that He is here, His magnificent glory is so radiant, it's splendorous, it's bright, it's glorious, that it's going to cause a reaction in somebody. It's going to cause a reaction in everybody. And for some of us, it is that wow. And for others, it's get that away from me. Amen. The most important event in all of history at that time, the birth of Christ, was also the most divisive event in all of history at that time. There were them who, those who came from far and wide just to see Him because they were in awe. And then there were those who did everything they could to try and destroy Him because they didn't want to see Him. Amen. Magnificent in its radiance. It's magnificent in its regality. Now I know I told you Jesus did not come as that reigning King at this time but He was still majestic. Amen. He is majestic. That, that word is defined as a thing belonging... That, that word glory is defined as a thing belonging only to God. The kingly majesty which belong, belongs only to Him is supreme ruler. It's majesty in the sense of the absolute perfection of the deity. It's a thing belonging to Christ. That regal glory. Peter said it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. He said this, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. His majesty. Now, Peter never saw the Lord Jesus set up His kingdom on the world, but he did see Him in His full majesty. Now Jesus, at this moment, He's just a swaddled up baby in a manger. But there's coming a day in the future when He would take Peter, James, and John up on a mountain and there He would reveal to them His full glory. And when He did, it was majestic. Amen. Majestic to the point that they began to worship. Peter said, let's build three tabernacles right here. I mean, it was overwhelmingly majestic. And you know what we need to do? We need to realize He still is. Over and over again, you'll read in the Gospels how Jesus would perform a miracle and it said they were, they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. They were amazed. They were amazed. They were amazed. His majestic, His, his regal, his, his radiant glory is magnificent. And it is deserving of our awe of how great and large and beautiful He is. Not only do we see the, the magnificent glory of Jesus Christ, but secondly, we see the manifested glory in Jesus Christ. That verse I read to you there in Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3 said, For being the brightness of His glory, which He is, He's that bright, majestic glory. But then He said this, the express image of His person. Colossians 1.15 said that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The manifested glory in Jesus Christ is this. These angels... They've been in the presence of God, right? They know what the glory of God is. They're there when those cherubims, those seraphims are, are, are chanting out, holy, holy, holy. They've been there. They are the heavenly host, the Bible calls them. They know the glory of God, and when they begin to speak about the swaddled up baby in that manger, they become overwhelmed with praise for God, 
Glory to God in the highest. And I say that applies to the Father, amen. But that also applies to the Son. As they consider that little baby in that manger, they cry out, glory to God. Why? Because Jesus is the expressed image of God. Jesus told them, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. And here He is. And what does the Bible say? We've looked at this a lot on some nights here in the last few months about that the image of Christ or the image of God in Christ and how that no man hath seen God at any time, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? That we can't look on Him and live, God the Father. That To look on the Father uh, would, would literally kill our flesh. So Jesus, what He is, is He is the image of God's glory. God could not reveal His full glory to mortal man without killing them because of the sin nature inside of us. So what He did is He put His glory inside a flesh wrapping. And Jesus manifested the glory of God in a little baby. He is the manifest image, the manifest glory of God. Colossians 1.15, He's the image of the invisible God. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Who? That baby. That baby in that manger was there when everything was made. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. God willing here, in just a few days, we'll welcome our third child into the world. And man, I, I can't wait to see that baby girl and, and to hold her. And it's going to be wonderful. A great gift from God. But I can't imagine what it was like to be married. What our texts say when those shepherds came and they saw him. And they spoke about the hosts of angels that appeared and told them where to find him. And they, that star shining above them like the wise men followed to find and, and it said that they were all praising God and they went around and told everybody. And it said, but Mary pondered these things in her heart. You can't imagine what it was like to be heard. Look at that baby and think, well, that's my, that's my baby. That's my child. But to also look at him and know, that is the son of the living God. He's the express image of God. Literally, God in a person. can't imagine what that's like. can't imagine how that affected her heart and her mind to think about those things because He was manifested in their sight. He's manifested in our sight. John 1.18, I mentioned to you, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. That word declared, it is a public announcement, right? I declare it. What? Declaring what? God. That looking at Him and seeing Him was a declaration. God is real and that is Him. Amen. God from heaven has come down inside a man, His only begotten Son, and there He is and He is the express image of His person. Everything you need to know about God, you can learn in one place. Jesus Christ. Amen. That's Him. He was manifested in our sight. He's the manifested, revealed, that word means image of God. He's manifested in our salvation. Psalm chapter 85 and verse 9 says this, Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. And you know what? Glory dwelled literally in our land with the birth of Jesus Christ. Mercy and truth are met together. Was mercy and truth ever met together more than in Jesus Christ? Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. They thought they were coming a great and mighty and ruling and reigning judge and king, but instead they got mercy and truth, righteousness and peace. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Truth sprung out of the earth when it was born into the flesh of a little boy. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Man was formed from the dust of the earth. God took that man... And he gave that woman, Mary, a child, and she gave birth, and truth sprung out of the earth, and then a voice down out of heaven saying this, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And righteousness looked down from heaven, yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. I say this, the Lord never gave more good than when He gave us His Son. Good tidings of great joy. There was no king, there was, no, there was no judge, there was no soldier, and no battle, and no war at that time. Instead, what the angel said is there is born 
a Savior. Before there could ever be that reigning, mighty, ruling, judging king, there had to first be a Savior who would come as a lamb and not a lion to lay down his life as a sheep before his shearers. The Bible said, he opened not his mouth. God has never manifested himself more clearly to mankind than he did in becoming our Savior. I'll give you this last one, we'll be done today. We see his magnificent glory, how that it is radiant and it is regal and it is bright and glorious. And then we see the manifested glory of Jesus Christ, how that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that He is the express image of His person and He is manifested in, in our sight and He is manifested in, in salvation that He has come to save us. And then we see the merciful glory of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a simple question. If Jesus had rather than coming as a child, simply come and appeared as a king and judged the whole world. Stepped up and said, all right, I've given you the truth. You've rejected it. I'm here. And this is your judgment day. Would he have been righteous? He'd have been righteous. To look and say, I mean, he gave him a chance with Adam and Eve. Right? And then when things didn't go well with her, he gave him a chance with Noah. He said, well, not everybody's hurt. There was one family, one, that survived the flood. And that one family produced a world full of evil wickedness. So what about Abraham? Amen. You had Abraham over here. And over there, you had Sodom and Gomorrah. And they all came from the same family twice. God gave man chances after chance after chance after chance. He could have just sent that judge and he'd have been right. Would he have been glorious? Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe when the day comes, and the rapture takes place, and the tribulation is over, and the Lord Jesus descends from heaven and comes down and touches that Mount of Olives, and He begins to judge the world, He will do so in His full glory. And there'll be nobody who can stand before it. He could have done that then. In the, in the day of these angels speaking to those shepherds, God could have appeared, Jesus could have appeared and judged the world, and He would have been righteous. Because He's, he's not doing any wrong. He's never done any wrong. And all the wrong that had been done was being done out there, even His own people. They, they, they've allowed their religion to become tr corrupt tradition and they've walked away from the truth of the law. Amen. They're taking advantage of widows. I mean, they're in a wicked place. Even God's people. He could have judged them. And he'd been righteous. He'd been righteous in doing it. But instead of showing his glory as a boom across the earth, he came as a little baby in a manger. That makes no sense, does it? When a baby is born to the royal family in, in, in Great Britain, in the United Kingdom, it don't happen in a manger. It happens with the best doctors that there are. And every TV station and every newspaper and every magazine in the world that follows the news posts something about it. Nobody, it doesn't go by secret when a child is born into the royal family, especially an heir. Right? And here is literally the Son of God Himself. And His merciful glory is this. He doesn't come like a tidal wave across the earth. He comes in a quiet, meek little place with a young little woman whose husband almost put her away when God conceived in her a miraculous virgin-born child Behind some inn with the hay and the filth is born the Son of God. His merciful glory is this. It's in His merciful lowliness. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery 
to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Why? Why has God exalted him? Why has God given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father? Why did God do that? Because he humbled himself. There is a significant message throughout the Gospels from the Lord Jesus. The lowest shall be the highest. The highest shall be the lowest. The least shall be the greatest, and the greatest shall be the least in the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says, right? So why did God glorify His Son to the place that He put His name at the very top? Because He made Himself the very least. We talk about the brightness of His glory and the angels in heaven crying, Glory to God in the highest. Amen. And then He's born. And when He's born... There's no procession. There's no announcement. He don't even have his name in the newspaper. He's just there. He's quiet. For 30 years. I mean, in 30 years of his life, we really only read of one significant event that happens through him, and that's when he's 12 years old, teaching in the one time. He's just quiet. Who? The Son of God. How would you like to have been the Son of God? In that place, nobody knows your name. Nobody cares who you are. You're just the kid down the street. Why would he do that? Because he was going to reveal his glory through mercy. You reckon Jesus saw some things he didn't want to see? You reckon he heard people saying things they ought not be saying? You reckon he saw enough to anger God? Oh, yes. And yet, what do you do? He was just... Quiet. His merciful lowliness. So yeah, well, you know what? There was that day when he rode into Jerusalem and there was a procession. You're right. Let's read about that in Luke chapter 19. They brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus their own. The colt. What is that? Some great steed? No. It's the colt of a donkey. Can we all agree that's not the most majestic of animals? You ever spend any time around donkeys? We had one growing up on the farm. It wasn't even ours. Somebody, we, it wasn't ours, but we had it for like years and years and years until finally that thing died. And I'll be honest, I did not mourn the death of that donkey. I mean, they're just, you know, a mule is good for a lot. But a donkey is not good for as much. And this ain't even a strong one. You know what, it's a colt. It's a baby. Imagine the image of that. It's not that kingly when I imagine the picture of it. When I imagine a king, I imagine a great robe and a giant steed, white, and perfect, holy, and, and, and gold drapings, and him riding in. Instead, he rides into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey. Why? Because he didn't come like this. He came like this. And even now, riding into Jerusalem like the king, and one day he'll ride in on a horse. Just an image on that low cult. Because just as he came into the world, so did he come in to that great city to perform the will of his Father. And as he rode in, what did they do? They spread their clothes in the way. And when it was come nigh, even now, the, the sin of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Do you all see that? It's kind of similar to what those angels were saying, isn't it? Because in a moment, there was a picture, just a glimpse of what that glory is going to be like when it's like this. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that Eve, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. His merciful lowliness, his glory was a quiet and lowly glory. 
He humbled Himself for us in His merciful lowliness and His merciful loving kindness. We have become partakers in His glory through Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit, listen, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Galatians 6.14, Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. We have become partakers of His glory through Christ due to the great love wherewith He loved us. When Jesus became a man, He became low. Hebrews says He made Himself lower than the angels. Hebrews 1 said He was higher. But in Hebrews 2, He makes Himself lower. Why? He humbles Himself. He lowers Himself. He comes in a manger. He rides in on the colt of a donkey. He is lowly. But what's He do to us? He lifts us up. What kind of, what kind of God? God. Even that name, God, it demands respect and honor and glory. What kind of a God would become a baby in a feeding trough with no clout, no parade, lower and lower and lower himself until he dies the death of a criminal. So that you, a criminal, could be made a partaker in heavenly things. The glory of God should never more draw all from us than it does when we consider that He would show us mercy. Why should He? You know what the picture of the birth of Christ is? It's a picture of mercy. It's a picture of the God of heaven looking down on a world that hates Him. How the world doesn't hate God? Our world does. They're offended by the very mention of Him. The God of heaven would look down on a world that hates Him. Say, People like us come to church, sitting in church. And I'm glad you're here, but then we're going to go out there, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to act like idiots. Say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do. We're ungrateful to God for all of His good things. We complain about every bad thing. We, we have a bad spirit. Amen? Yeah. Am I the only one that's like that sometimes? And then I stop and I look at that manger... And I consider that the God of heaven, I've never slept in a feeding trough. I never felt the stripes on my back. I've never been in a place where it said, the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He was. Why? Because he came to show you his glory. And His glory has never been... Because when we think about glory, Brother Joe, we think about boom! But that's not how He came. That's who He is. He is that. But that's not how He came. Instead, He took that and He said, He had that for all eternity. He laid it aside. And He put on flesh. And He came quiet. He came low. Why? Because that's the only way He could get to you. It's the only way He could take you from way down there and bring us up here that we could be with Him in heavenly places. It's the only way. So His magnificent glory, it's wonderful. Amen. It ought to make us like those angels praise. Glory to God in the highest and His manifested glory, the, the glory of God the Father present in God the Son and there He is and we look at Him and we see God and I say, hallelujah, but never should we be more awe-inspired by the glory of God, and want to cry out glory to God in the highest, then when we consider how merciful He's been, that He would love you. With what, 
wherewith what, what great love wherewith He hath loved us, that He would reach down into the muck and the mire and dirty His hands to reach you. Like when He laid His hands on that leper. Amen. The pariah of society who they wouldn't even go near and He would touch them. Why? Because He was willing to... He would lower Himself to the very earth just to get you. Because He loves you. So as we consider this time, this season, and we consider His glory, like those shepherds just watching their sheep in the dark, and suddenly a voice cried out from heaven, and when that voice cried out, it pointed them to the Son of God. So should we look at the gift of His Son and say, glory to God in the highest. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.